Hey, welcome to the Jesus, Sex, and Politics podcast. I'm Micah. I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the things the culture doesn't want to talk about. And that might scare you. Hey, it's good to have you today. We have had an incredible run of a, of kicking this podcast off. Nathan, it's been fun. It's been a blast, hasn't it? People yep. are asking us for more. It's I'm surprised. I you know, and our wives are kind of surprised. They're like, people want more of you. Yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, honey, they really like us. <laughs> Well, it, today we've got a special guest in here. We're going to dive into what is going on in the public schools around our country right now. There's just this insanity that's taking over our the mindsets of our teachers and administrators and our students, and it just seems like everyone's like speeding off the cliff of stupid really fast right now. Yeah, I mean that's what it feels like. Well, when you when you depart from truth, yep. then everybody's definition of their truth gets to be less and less true and 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 we and we end up with the mess which is our public school. Yeah, and and so we we were like, well, let's bring somebody in who's kind of in the middle of this fight. Uh and so we reached out to an amazing mother activist uh in the Westfield community. She's pretty special. And she's yeah, her name is Erica Strom. Erica, thank you for joining us today on the Jesus Sex and Politics podcast. It's good to have you. Hey, give us a little bit of a backstory like how you got involved in fighting for truth in the public schools and and why you're doing it. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Um, And it's great to have a platform to kind of talk about this. Uh, What led me to get involved is probably the four most important things in my life is my four children. Got two at Westfield High School, one at Westfield Middle School, and then one who's a first grader at Shamrock Springs Elementary School. And uh, knowing you, Micah, I don't know Nate as well, but knowing you, Micah, um, you and I bonded pretty quickly because neither one of us is one to sit on the sidelines. We are not the type of people to watch things happen. We're the type of people who like to make things happen. And so for me, I've always been involved in what's going on in my children's lives. I also really care about the community. I dabble a little in local politics. So um, getting involved wasn't really a hard thing for me to do. Most recently, though, um, I think it's been kind of some of these radical policies that have started to invade our schools, which prompted me to, I've always paid attention, but to even pay more attention. What are some of those radical policies, in your opinion? Uh, For us, specifically in Westfield, it differs from municipality to municipality, but for us in Westfield, uh, it kind of started with a teacher letting us know that there were books in elementary schools uh, that discussed uh, being transgender. Uh, that was the biggest kind of call you to action. in elementary school. So elementary this is not schools. high school. Not high school, this not is, middle school. So, yeah. I mean, elementary school, in my opinion, is first graders yeah. through fifth graders, roughly? In Westfield, it's through fourth graders. Okay. So, not even fifth Holy graders. Smokes. So, yeah. So, fourth grade is, what, nine, ten years old? I can't remember. So That's um, amazing. And so, they're, they're, what, what would possess anyone to think that having a book based on transgender transgenderism at that early age is appropriate. 
I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of people in our community who claim that children need those resources that early, and I don't necessarily believe that that is true. A child might feel different at that age, but I don't know if they're able to verbalize it to where they can go to a media specialist and say, I need a book about, you know, being a different gender than what I was born as. Um, Like I said, they might feel different, and that's part of the reason why every school has a counselor, Uh, but I don't know if those those resources need to be available in public um, for kids to look at at that age. And that's one of the things that that is most concerning to me is, is it developmentally appropriate? Uh, I like for things to happen organically. So I don't really want a teacher or the media specialist. Wait, and to, you say, hold on a second. Me, yeah. Media specialist. What What is a media specialist? It's the new, it, it's one of the terms they use for a librarian. What? Right? <laughs> the, librarian. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, Micah, I got called out on Facebook not too long ago for saying librarian. Oh my. Rather yeah. than saying. Hey, can we just call media her? Specialist. Since we're Jesus, sex, and politics, yeah. and this is a safe place <laughs> to actually tell the truth. She's the librarian. <laughs> or, or it could be a guy, I or, guess. Or, yeah, I was going right? to say. But if you just say librarian, yeah. it doesn't really matter what gender they are. Wow. We're going to call them the librarian. Yeah, I think that's going to work for me. I've, <laughs> I've never heard it. I've never heard it called a media specialist no. until just now. <laughs> Has, Nathan, have you heard that? No. I mean, okay, no. are they good with media? Maybe. Are they a specialist? Are they special? Yeah, everyone's special. But well, And that's not the only name. There's there's so many different names, but Well, that yeah. might be part of our problem. Is that we can't call anything oh, by the correct no name. Kidding. We we have to it's we like, have to change it in order to mesh it to what our culture right. says today. This is nonsense. Like why why are people Well, and one of the things that's the most crazy about it is if you in regards to my family and my youngest son specifically, I want these discussions about life to come from me first. I want, you know, parental rights. I want them to happen at a time that's developmentally appropriate. I want them to happen organically. And so it has nothing to do with being, uh, you know, homophobic or racist or and but that's what happens is if you disagree with something, you've seen this on the national stage. You've seen it in regards to so many different topics. You get called in, you know, a xenophobe or any number of words if you don't agree. <laughs> any number of phobes. <laughs> phobes, ists, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Anything like that if you don't agree with uh, with what's going on. And that was what was kind of happening in Westfield is, you know, there's a group that I'm aligned with called Unify Westfield. And as long as I've been involved with these people um, in this fight, not one person has ever said that they don't support the children who feel differently, that they don't support uh, these types of things. It's more about uh, retaining parental rights and being able to have these conversations happen when appropriate and organically, you know, and that's 
That's I, the biggest thing. I, I, I would like to just say something to the public school system. You don't own our kids. Yes. <laughs> you yes. don't own them. The state does not own them. Yeah. This nation does not own them. They belong to us. To the parents. And I yeah. think parents need to wake up. I, I will say this. I, I went through, uh, personally, I, I went through, um, you know, homeschooling and private schooling. My parents had a absolute total distrust of the public schools. And I'm, I'm 43 years old, mm. right? They, they did not want them teaching things to us that they, that they disagreed with. So my mom worked three jobs in order to put us all through private school, four kids, you know, made less than $20,000 a year. And somehow she made it work, right? To get us into private schooling. Um, but it was because, it wasn't because the public school can't teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's because of all the other things that they were teaching. What they're going to do is this gets more and more crazy, and and this is this is this is so crazy now. I just tell you a story. Uh, when when my son was uh, just ten years old, so he's twenty now, we moved to Pendleton Heights, and I put my kid in in uh, the public school because as a Christian, I thought I want my I want my kids to be a light in the darkness. If you if you don't if if all you have is is a mess in the public schools, you're only going to get more of a mess. So uh, it comes towards the end of the year. He's just a little guy. He's, he's nine or 10 years old. And they had uh, the ABC countdown. The ABC countdown was uh, the last 26 days of the, of the school year. They did this. A is accessory day. B is ball cap day. C is whatever. Right. And, and so I'm, you know, we're having fun. Okay, we're going to get you this today and that today, whatever it happened to be. But I'm looking down the list, and on G, it's gender switch day. <laughs> now, this is 10 years ago. So I, I was like, what? And, and I'm, I'm looking at this going, how could this be a day? So I called up the principal, and I go, what is going on here? I want to know what is going on here. Who came up with this list? I did. And I said, I want a name. I want to know who's responsible for this. In the day and age when our kids are getting bullied all over the place, you want me to send my son dressed in a skirt? You know, so we got a bullying issue, but we're going to do this? No way. I want to know who's responsible for this. And I let that lady who was the administrator of the school, I let her have it. I said, I'll call every school board member. Does the community know what you're doing? Well, what do you know? She switched gender switch day back to what it had originally been, game day. Now, you're telling me that little kids, and she tried to say, well, the kids chose this. I said, bull crap. They did not choose this. No little kids getting rid of game day for gender switch day. You lying. You, you, you people are liars. Yeah. And so she switched it, right? Then I'm watching Bill O'Reilly about four or five years later. And he talks about this happening up in a school in Wisconsin. So I wrote Bill. I'm like, hey, Bill, you're late to the ball game. This already happened in Indiana. <laughs> and, and we stood up to it. This is craziness. And, you know, I, I think about what I, I heard you say, you know, parents are, are putting their, school, their children into the public schools. And a lot of Christian parents are saying, we want our kids to be a light in a dark place. Well, I ask parents this question all the time when they come to me with that kind of mindset. I said, would you put your child on the Titanic knowing that it was getting ready to set sail? Would, would you? 
And most of them will say, no, absolutely not. Now, that doesn't mean I wouldn't go on. If I knew how boats work really well or knew how to drive boats and I knew that the Titanic was going to be in danger, I would go on the Titanic as an adult, as somebody who knew what was right and how to approach the situation. But I'm not going to send my 10-year-old say, hey, little Billy, the Titanic's going to sink here. I'm going to put you on there. So hopefully maybe you can do some good while you're on the boat. No, you're sending them into into destruction. And I would say we've done that as parents. We've said, well, we want our kids to be a light in a dark world. Hey, don't be surprised, parents, when you give your kid over to Caesar that little Romans are being raised up. You know, I mean, that's... And, but, but parents are kind of like, I can't, what happened to my child? They go off to college and they totally turn, they buy into this nonsense, this, this critical race, anti-American, anti-God nonsense. And parents are coming to me and they're saying, what happened? I'm like, well, 16,000 hours are dedicated to education of a child from kindergarten through, through high school, 16,000 hours. Parents, were you influencing your kids in those 16,000 hours? No, it was somebody else and you weren't in the room. You didn't know what was happening. And that's why I think 2020 was such a great year for education because parents got in the room. Oh, yeah. Yes. They got in the room. Absolutely. And, 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 oh, man, teachers hated it. And you know what, Mike, is you're speaking about that. You have a, you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. Okay, I've got a 20-year-old and a, and a 17-year-old. Tonight we go to my, my daughter's graduation. And, and I wish I could turn back the clock because I was the parent who said, I want my kid to be in the darkness being light and if the culture has an effect on them i'll pull them out for me what happened is it took its toll especially on my son and there were things coming at me and i tried to i mean i'm a i'm a i'm a dad who locks down the phone who tries to uh make sure that that certain media is not getting into my house um to 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 really keep my eye on my kids because like you said, Erica, like like our children are our motivation for everything that we're doing to protect. You know, I have to see that mama bear coming at her. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. Even nature shows us, you know, that, that mama bear mentality. And I, I left my kid in that public school too long. And that was when it was way cleaner than it is today. All that they're doing with this insanity is they are they are helping the Christian schools to grow, the homeschooling to grow. Parents are going, not my kid. Yep. I'm not going to do this. I wish that I had gotten involved earlier. Yep. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I taught my kid politics. I taught my kid the Bible. I took my kid to, to church all the time and was talking through all these issues with them. But the, the, the world has a different philosophy. They're trying to pound down your kid's throat because it's about control mm -hmm. in the end for them. Yeah. And Erica, when you mentioned, uh, your, you know, what you're fighting in at Westfield and, um, there's these books get put into the library, but there's other programs too, like SEL and mm -hmm. critical race theory, which every administrator, if they're smart, is going to say, we don't teach critical yeah, race theory. Absolutely. Um, but they still kind of do. They're, yes, they're, they do. they're weaseling there's it in. Elements, yeah. And it may not be standard curriculum, but what about the what about the non-standard curriculum? What about the things, the AP classes? What about the things that are being filled into the gaps? Mm -hmm. And have you seen that in Westfield? Well, and that's, I think, the biggest thing that's that our older children 
are fighting against is the other thing. So it was the books kind of with the elementary school, but for the older children, it's all these kind of radical policies that are weaving their way in. No, it might not be part of the formal curriculum, but it's getting into the schools. And what is um, SEL, by the way? And that, yeah, SEL is social emotional learning. And it came to Westfield probably 2017. And it's it's educating the whole child is kind of what it's billed as. And when you first hear that, you think, wow, that sounds great. It seems so benign. That sounds awesome. They're not just going to worry about my kids' grades. They're going to worry about my the whole child. And if used properly, it probably could be a, a good thing. Teachers building positive relationships with students. However, in many ways, SEL has kind of become the gateway. I call it the gateway drug to critical race theory. Yes, critical race theory, anti-racism, even diversity, equity, inclusion. DEI is something you hear a lot about. Which I call it diversity, inclusion, equity, D-I-E. D-I-E. Because it kills everything it touches. (laughs) Well, and that's the, you know, I don't think that anyone that I know would not be against including kids, would not be against diverse, you know, diverse uh, communities. Um, Even in our school system, I'm for my kids learning about other other cultures. I'm for cultural competency. Um, The problem arises is when you have instances, um, and this kind of goes back to critical race theory, where, you know, white kids are being called oppressors and everybody else is being called oppressed you know so you're creating that victim mentality um absolutely that's you know everything now comes down to race so they're what did martin luther king jr say he didn't he say i have a dream that one day my kids won't be judged by the color of their skin but the content of their character right wasn't that supposed to be this social justice, but how has it gotten flipped? Well, you can't even say that where, quote anymore. Oh People go goodness. crazy if you say that <laughs> quote because that indicates colorblindness. Oh, and now geez. colorblindness is racist. But too. what about people who are actually colorblind? Are you <laughs> saying they don't have a place in our society? I mean, that is so bigoted. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and so uh, once again, let's go back to when before the show, uh, Eric and I were talking and you know, just from a biblical perspective. And as, as we a, were sound checking, I want all the listeners to know you guys had some great content going on. I was like, wait, don't say it. We're not, <laughs> keep your powder dry. We're not recording yeah. yet. Yeah. This is great. Um, no, but, but what we say as believers is that truth is not a relative term, right? We're, we're told there is no absolute truth, but there actually is absolute truth. And truth is what God says. So anything that is not what God says is not is it, you've got to question it against okay, the ancient of days, the one who created heaven and earth, right? The that great our designer. founders of this nation believed in, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and 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 clearly write it down, yeah. you know, and endowed by our Creator, yeah. right? With with th- this this concept that we don't even know what He said. We get back to we were talking about it in the in the last episodes, like biblical literacy. We don't know the scriptures, so then whenever we're told, hey, th- this is what uh, constitutes a family, this is what constitutes a marriage, no, no, no. You're changing the words all the time, 
And what you're doing is creating confusion. Mm-hmm. Now we don't have terms. And, and the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. So then who is the author of confusion? Micah, who could that possibly I'm be? I'm going to guess it's Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> the government, the schools. Oh, it, would be, it would be darkness. You know, darkness, the, the principalities, the, the, who we actually are really up against, the devil and his, and his minions. Those are, that's who is the author of confusion. So I, I think you, you hit it spot on when you said there's this undermining of truth in our culture. You, and, and SEL validates every single student's personal truth. This sounds really good on the surface. Well, yeah, we want everyone to feel validated and stuff. Oh yeah, well, what about the kid that says they're a furry? Because that's happening in Hamilton Southeastern. If you don't know what furries are, it's kids who identify as furry animals or cats. They will walk around the schools and be told and tell others they are a a cat. They're not even human. And teachers are being told we need to validate that person's feelings, as opposed to tell that student, hey, that's really stupid that you think you're a cat. I mean, if you want to play pretend, go for it, but you're not a cat, when right? I, when I was a youth <laughs> pastor, uh, there was, a, there was a, a, a family in our church, and the little girl would bark at you, <laughs> right? And she would just, she'd sit there and bark at you. And, and I watched people handle her gently, and I'm like, tell the kid that she is not a dog, right? Like this but is- you will offend is, her. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if I offend you. You know what's going to hurt you worse? Trying to go out and get a job and put bark, 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 bark on your resume, right? That's going to hurt you. And and so love, I mean, love tells the truth. Love has to, has to say that is not the way this yep. is. And I'm not going to play pretend with you, which is exactly what we're being told in transgenderism, yep. right? Let my, my kid thinks there's something else. Let's get down and play pretend with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's going to help that, yeah. that person. Well, and you know, the this concept of this validate all the feelings that a child has, no matter what the feelings are. Well, let's play this out. 15 years, when that child becomes an adult, let's just say there's a man that's a, that's a pedophile for argument's sake, that believes that it is okay in his truth to be a pedophile. Wait, Micah, wait, because he was born this way. He was, right. And love is love. If we had Come this on, man. concept. All these concepts they used to get the American people to believe that homosexuality was normal, yep. now it's going to apply to pedophiles. Yep. And you have to say Where's the it's line? the same argument. And, and I know probably everybody listening, I would hope anyway, that we could all agree, hey, pedophilia is wrong, right? Absolutely dead wrong. It's wicked, evil. We don't want it in our society. But where is the line then? If you're validating everybody's opinion, who gets to be the arbiter of truth? Who gets to say, well, that's really wrong over there? I have an answer. Yeah. I have an answer. His name is God. <laughs> okay. Which, by the way, you said you said bark uh, earlier and God spelled backwards is dog. Or dog spelled backwards is God. Uh, are, so are, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether I should rebuke you for blasphemy right now. Or, I'm just saying. Or, I'm no. just saying. You know, it's my truth. You can't rebuke me. Oh, it's my truth. Oh yeah. Well, and this this has been around for a long time. Actually, it's called postmodernism. Yeah. Right. So you've got these. Actually, a lot of uh, millennials, and they have bought into this stuff. When you start saying that there's there's your truth and my truth, then everybody's feelings are equally validated. Now we have a mess. You can't stand on. The Bible actually talks about this. He says, a wise man builds his house upon the rock. 
It does not move. You build your foundation on the rock. And we're told the rock is Christ Jesus, yep. right? And the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. What does the sand do? The, the rain comes down, the floods come up, it moves the foundation and the house collapses. Well, that's exactly what we're seeing in, in America today because it's just what is pop culture today. What do they believe today? Just like I told you the story before, 10 years ago, I could I could call up and yell about this and they would cave and they would make the right decision mm-hmm. because I, I threatened them. Today, they'd go, you can't do that. It wouldn't have the same argument today. And do you guys ever worry? I worry sometimes that our, our nation we're not paying attention to the right things. So we're here fighting about Mr. Potato Head and whether, you know, he can, has certain body parts or Mr. (laughs) whatever, you know, we're fighting over, you know, whether Mr. Potato Head is a boy or not. And you've got China who's buying up Africa and just laughing at us. Do you know that China is also teaching their, their boys in elementary school how to be masculine? Yeah, they have, they have have a a major masculinity protocol that they're trying to push. This is just like how the Roman Empire fell to the barbarians. This is the exact same thing. It played out the same way. Rome got soft. Rome started not taking masculinity seriously, not training up its boys how to be men. And they, and they were, they fell to a, a people of barbarians who, who studied masculinity. And we get this toxic, we get this, uh, this, this saying, right? There's a push, there's a, there's a push to end masculinity, toxic masculinity. We don't like masculinity, all this stuff. That's really dangerous in our society because masculinity, just like femininity, comes from the Lord. That's right. It's something to celebrate if you're a man. You know, and I, I read this book, uh, James Dobson wrote this book, Bringing Up Boys. And uh, it, it, it's, uh, well, it's gotta be, over 20 years old now because I remember reading it whenever my son was was just little. It says that a, a little boy knows they're they're a boy by the time they're 18 months old, right? They they know that they're who their dad, you know, they they know by looking at their dad. Um, okay, dad, dad piece standing up, you know, I'm I'm built like dad. These they might not be thinking about it all the time, but they're they are processing this stuff. To to then come along and then and then undermine that and and so much of what has happened in divorce James Dobson makes the argument it's taken boys away from their dads mm-hmm. right and it's put them more with their moms well then there that that kid is having the curiosity about masculinity he's surrounded by more femininity and it's not you know divorce just hurts kids at different levels it hurts boys very young in their development it hurts teenage girls more when 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 they're in adolescence right but once again why because the family has been destroyed and and as a result, there are implications sociologically to the and and, and psych, psychologically yeah. to those kids, which is why it's so interesting that the Bible uh, says that God is the father to the fatherless, and He's the husband to the widow. Hmm. Why is it? Because He corrects what's wrong in the family, and He heals that, and He comes in and 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 provides life to that thing because kids need fathers. And, and and you look at how Rome, just to your point, you look at how Rome went off, how much of it happened because of sexual sin. Yeah. Yeah. There, a right. lot of hedonism. That was yeah. another right. thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, Erica, anything goes. What in so from your perspective as a mother in the public school setting, fighting the good fight, if you will, what can we do to get involved? If people are listening, what would your advice be to just the average mom and dad? Like, how could because this is this is happening all over the country? It's yes, not just absolutely Hamilton is. County. And yeah. one of the one of the best things is. Uh, so I have a, a a text thread with several moms, and we've been on this for quite a while, but it felt so overwhelming to where we just didn't know how we, as you know, a group of six of us, could take this all on. And luckily, one of the things we wanted to do was attend a school board meeting, which I'm at a lot, but some of these parents are kind of brand new to this. So our group went to the school board meeting, and one of the amazing things that happened is we found out that we weren't the only ones. There were several other people there at the meeting with the same belief system. And so after the meeting, we made a conscious decision to talk to those people and everybody you know, traded contact information. And then from that, we ended up kind of growing this group called Unify Westfield. And we have, don't know how many members now, you know, many hundreds of members in Westfield and always expanding. Um, We've created this group. uh, So I think that's one thing is getting organized. I guess the whole point is getting organized, realizing you're not alone and getting organized um, is one of the first things. Attending school board meetings, making sure that you're emailing your school board and your administration about, you know, what you want, what you don't want. Um, Having people run for school board, I mean, that's one of the biggest things too, because ultimately the school board is the one who makes a lot of these decisions or at least okays the final decision on curriculum and that type of thing. So getting people to run for school boards, um, we've been very vocal. I think that's a thing we're seeing across the country is, you know, um, there's certain groups who are very, very vocal. And then there's other groups who tend to be polite. And we don't really step out there and make our feelings known. And I've seen, I think you've probably seen it too, uh, a great switch recently where parents are like, I'm not going to be silent anymore. Yeah. I am not going to apologize. I'm not going to be silent. I'm not going to let you call me a racist when I know that I'm not a racist. And so those are some of the things getting organized, you know, staying involved in what your kids are doing. And to your point, 2020 was a huge year because parents got to see behind the curtain of what was going on with their schools. And I do want to say in regards to Westfield, um, we have a lot of amazing things going on. Tons of educators, um, the people who know me well, know that um, this isn't my first fight for education, and I am a supporter of teachers who are doing the right thing. We do have a lot of those going on. And I Um, would say it's probably the majority of teachers are good teachers. But they feel like they they can't can't say anything. anything Because um, in Westfield specifically, um, we are, just like Hamilton Southeastern, we are about to get a new superintendent. And Our prior superintendent um, really created um, a toxic culture to where 
teachers didn't feel like they could share their opinions at all. Um, and so there's a lot of teachers who are good teachers who don't subscribe to any of this crap. And that's what mm-hmm. it is. It's crap, radical crap. Yeah. But they can't, they don't feel like they can say like anything. the name of a band. Radical yeah, a crap. Radical yeah. crap. <laughs> a lot of so. that's because of the teachers' unions. Too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's gosh, just there's yeah. so much fear. These, these teachers, look, yeah. if you're a great teacher out there. You're, you 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 believe in truth. You got into this because you love kids. You got into this because you you weren't we weren't looking for a paycheck. You wanted to pour your life into somebody and really influence them for good. We we need you to do that. Yeah. Kudos. By opening your mouth. You see what you see. Yep. Keep telling the truth yep. and don't be afraid. We will back you up. Yep. This, this, the, the good citizens of America, exactly what Eric said. It's a silent majority, right? We, we just shut up and we're overwhelmed by the crazies. Mm-hmm. And we've got to make noise back so that these good teachers yeah. know that they're supported. If you're a well, good teacher, thank crazy. you for what you do. Yes, how crazy you. is that, that the union, aren't they supposed to be supporting the teachers? Oh. And now Just it's like all, Jimmy Hoffa, yeah, was <laughs> supporting. It's all about the money. And I mean, it's, it's about everything but supporting the yeah. teachers, which is so crazy. I did want to, I did want to say one thing, yeah. you know, the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts that are going on, um, they are, I feel, more divisive than anything. If you, um, in Westfield, there is uh, several Instagram, you know, the kids are on Instagram and I know they're on Snapchat too. I don't even pretend to know how to do all the Snapchat, but on Instagram, there's several sites that a lot of kids are on and you see these kids commenting and they're just so angry and they're they're angry at each other. They're angry. They have no respect for adults or authority. And we started SEL in our district back in 2017. Fast forward, you know, five years and kids are angrier than ever. So it's not so working. So it doesn't seem like it's really working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then shocking. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got um, a friend of mine who has a freshman, a freshman English class. Um, there's so many uh, black poets and authors who have incredible things to say. And the teacher is using poetry by Tupac as <laughs> something to study in class. And a lot of the messages are police are bad, you know, and we all know there are bad police officers, bad law enforcement officers. Absolutely. Just like there's bad in every profession. It's like there's bad teachers and every, you know, and yes. but, but that doesn't mean that the majority of them are yes. bad. That's, That's right. Yes. Let's yeah. deal with the ones that are bad exactly. and, and, well, and we'll move on. And yeah. I want to tell you, before we wrap things up, I, I got to tell you two more things. So um, this is a story I heard from another educator who's at our high school. And um, at the beginning of the school year, apparently there was an all staff kind of DEI training. And one of the big uh, proponents of DEI at our high school apparently walked in to the training and in front of everybody apologized for being a white cisgender male. <laughs> 
What, what are you apologizing for? That's how I you were born. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry for I don't, the sins of so many people. I don't people understand. The world. And that's, I guess, that's some of the stuff so that I'm that I'm fighting against. I don't want my children to be told that they're oppressors. I don't want them to be made to feel guilty because they were born white. Yeah. You know, I just I want my children to go and like you said, even though you're not really allowed to say it anymore, to judge people by their character. Mm-hmm. If they're a bad person, then fine. You know, maybe that's not someone you want to have in your life. But give everyone the benefit of the yeah. doubt. There was one other story I wanted to share with you. There was a um, at Westfield in what's what's called core, which is kind of like homeroom, but it happens in the middle of the day. Several months ago, there was um, an activity where, um, and I don't know who was leading it, if it was student leaders or if it was teachers, but basically they asked several social justice questions. And if you believed one thing, you went to one side of the room. And if you believed another thing, you went to the other side of the room. And depending on what the makeup of the class was, if it was a class that was more liberally skewed, you know, um, if they asked about racism, you get a bunch of kids on one side and you get just a couple on the more conservative, no, I don't think our school mm-hmm. is racist side. Well, what could be more divisive oh, no kidding. than that? And what could what could be more targeting than that? Now they know who to bully. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm so afraid that this movement is pushing so hard for certain groups that they're just going to create new groups of disenfranchised, yeah. you know, discriminated against people 100%. it's just so it's it's their outcome it's, yeah it's, it's they're trying to determine the outcome there there's yeah. their there's their equity that's it's the socialism by the state yeah, yeah. i, I want to throw this out uh just you know you enjoyed what you heard today you want to get a little bit more educated on that our podcasts aren't long enough whatever you're gonna say listen you want to look up a guy named vadi bakum Okay, Vadi Bakum, he goes into critical race theory, says that everything is racist. Take that in. It's only about 15 minutes on YouTube. Go take that in. And exactly what Eric just brought up about social justice, you need to know why that word is loaded. So and loaded. why it is a there 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 is a wickedness behind the concept of social justice. We are for justice, biblical justice, doing right by people. I have shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of thee: do justice, justice, love, mercy, walk humbly with your God. But watch Vodi's biblical justice versus social justice. Take that in. It's great. Learn the terms, guys. We got to learn the terms yeah. because you realize what they're saying. This stuff is not nice. It's wicked. Yeah. It's all in there. They try to make it, you know, when you go and meet with administrators, they try to make it seem very benign. Yeah. You know, one of the things that And like you're the only one. Oh, you're the yeah, only you're one. You're the only one that has a problem with this. There's just a few. There, there's, yeah. and, and it's not, what's the problem? There's nothing to see here. Yeah. yeah. Well, at, at Westfield, they use a term life ready a lot. And I fully believe in making sure that students are life ready. However, I don't know if I believe getting them life ready uh, the same way that, you know, well, some educators life? do. Who, yeah, exactly. that's what who's I want to know. Who's, whose yeah. idea of life are we getting them ready yeah. for? That's the issue, right? Hey, yeah, I want my kids to be life ready, but I don't want Charles Manson teaching them exactly. how to be life ready, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that, it really depends on who's life it is. Well, and then how yeah. does how does teaching equity, which as 
most people know, but sometimes it's confused with equality. But life ready, equality is providing equal opportunities, right? Equity is having equal outcomes. That doesn't happen in the real world. Yeah. You know, yeah. that you can't does not it. happen. Do you know Noblesville got rid of their valedictorian in 2019? They don't do valedictorians anymore in Noblesville? Yeah. Why? Because that makes somebody feel bad. Because that makes somebody feel bad. Oh, what a <laughs> Can you imagine if you were that student that worked for 12 years, straight A's all the time, and they were in the running to be a valedictorian of a class of, what, 1,200 students or something to that, you know, however big they are? That's a huge boost when you're trying to get into colleges and put on resumes, yep. and then the year you're going to be valedictorian, oh, sorry, for, for the sake of the guy that didn't do his homework, we're not going to let you yeah. have success. Participation Can, awards in Marxism. We That's, have, I mean, this is all coming down to this. We have the generation of participation trophies are now leading our, our nation. <laughs> and that's hey, what you I got a great story about, about this because I know we got to wrap up. But, uh, so there's a guy named James Harrison who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, a guy just was, I'm, I'm a huge Steelers fan. Um, I'm from this, Cleveland, so. Oh, oh. You could not, what did we invite her for? Um, James Harrison. I'm a Lions fan. And so it doesn't matter. You're, no, you're no, right never, about we that. We never win. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, Cleveland, that's, you know. James Harrison, his, his two sons are sent home with participation awards for football. And he takes the, you know, this got written up about. Did you hear this story? I heard this, He yeah. takes these trophies and crushes them in his hands in front of his kids. <laughs> and, of course, he's got his Super Bowl rings on. And he just goes, I just want you to know. We only count championships in Pittsburgh. Now, I know for Cleveland, participation <laughs> trophies might be important. But in, oh, in, in, in Pittsburgh, it's Lombardi's we count. By the way, we're having a yard sale on those right now if you'd like to come yeah, by and pick one up because that's the only way you're going to get one. It is hard to be but, a Cleveland fan, I'm telling you. I used to think that that Steeler fans were the best in the world. And then I realized, no, Cleveland fans have to they be the really best are. in the world because they never win. Yeah. And and so they, you know, that there's just a love affair that I can't understand. Well, well. regards to the Browns, right? Rebuilding since 1964 <laughs> is what we say. Uh, so you wait, know, with with what you said about the participation trophies, I don't. We're pushing everybody to the middle, right? Yeah. So some school districts are getting rid of remedial classes, which actually can help kids that need those classes. And then there's other places that are getting they're getting rid of advanced classes. We're pushing everybody toward the middle, and I just I do not like that's that not, either. That's not American exceptionalism. There's yeah. a reason why yeah. homeschooled kids score so high on some of these tests. And by and large, their percentages are incredible. Yeah. And it's because they don't have to slow down to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. They can move at their own speed and keep going. And and you're not holding the class back until somebody gains this yeah. this this uh, understanding. I think the biggest thing we need to know is that it's not it's not our uh, the public schools' responsibility to train our kids. It is ours. Yeah. As parents. As parents, yeah. And we need yes. to make those determinations. Look, you might have your kid in a public school. I did. Yeah. I had mine. Uh, you know, my daughter, I moved her to Heritage this last year. She's graduating from Heritage. And it and it cost us money. Thank God for, you know, it's an awesome school. Great great programs to help your kid get, get there. They'll help you out. But you may have to make that determination at some point. If, some, if, if you feel like something's failing your kid, you got to do whatever it takes. Yeah. You won't get these years back. 
again. And they're too formidable of years. 16,000 hours. That's a lot of hours. Oh, my. And do you, who is influencing your child during those hours? Yeah. And that's scary to think about sometimes is, I mean, the influence that you're giving up as a parent and saying, I'm trusting that whoever has my child, I can't see him. I don't know what's happening, but I'm trusting that they're going to influence my child for, for what's right and what's true. Yeah. And I think we're seeing it all across this nation right now that that hasn't been happening. The truth has been thrown out the window and it's, and parents, parents have got to get back engaged and fight against these things that are just indoctrinating our kids. Critical race theory. I love critical yeah. race theory that is called that because it's a theory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bad one at that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. No it's not even, yeah, so. Erica, thank you so yes, much thank for you. all thank that you're you. doing this to fight awesome. for the public schools and, and to fight for every show. Hey, Luke, we need, we, need, we need great people everywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, what you're doing is making well, a tremendous difference. And I used difference. to get exhausted by all the things that needed to be done. But once you get organized and realize that there's mm -hmm. others out mm -hmm. there like you, it, I feel like a lot of weight has been lifted off my shoulders because there was a time where I felt like I was the only one. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm special or anything, but I mean, like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very, uh, my mouth gets me into trouble sometimes. I'm very <laughs> outspoken about things and there's other people who are not. But once I realized there was others and then it's just taken fire. We've got local talk radio talking about it a lot. You know that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, it's it's amazing how finally I'm so thankful that people are finally standing up and saying we're not going to take yeah. this stuff, you know. But the most important thing that people can do is talk to your children, yeah. pay attention to what they're learning. You know, I didn't mention this earlier, but I am a widow. Um, I've got four children, uh, 17, 16, 13, and seven. And I do spend a lot of time with my children uh, because I want to, but also by default. And I think that's really what saved us in our household yeah. is the meaningful conversations that I'm able to have with my children. And I even have one of my children, my only daughter, she is, she's more liberal by nature. She's an artist. You know, she's a little bit more liberal. But if I just speak from the heart, you know, and, uh, you know, we attend church, we're Christians as well. Um, you know, if I just speak from the heart, then it seems to, I feel like everything's going to work out. You know, I feel like my kids are going to be okay, but being engaged is probably the number one thing that parents can do to fight all this craziness. They're your kids, not the government. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, yeah. and there's, you know, you'd be amazed at how many People are okay with the government. The government. Training. There was a state rep last session in the Indiana legislature. She's a, Dem a Democrat representative, and she got up on the floor and she actually made the comment that that the government and public school teachers should have more authority uh, raising your kids than the parents do because they spend more hours of the day with them than even parents, and they care more for the kids than the parents do. She was making a public statement as a leader in the legislature to make the government have more control over children than it's parents like do. It's like Brave New World, 1984. Yeah, I mean, right? it's nuts. It's crazy. Well, hey, this, was, this was an incredible so topic. Thank you for spending time with us, Erica. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this is a little bit of an extended version because this is such a big topic to unpack. So, oh, my gosh, I mean, so it's, much. I mean, even, we didn't even have enough time to dive into all the things we wanted to. But, hey, we appreciate you tuning in to Jesus, Sex, and Politics. As always, I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And we talk about all the things culture doesn't want to talk about. That scares you. We'll catch you next time. See ya.